You are listening to selfdiscoverymedia.com, where illumination and inspiration is but a click away. With so many genre topics for you on everything that you need to know in life, we celebrate and share the people who have taken the journey before you and who are now here to serve you with their wisdom and their knowledge. The next show coming up is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Your Health is Your Choice. Here on selfdiscoverymedia.com, I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and here for a third show, bombshell of a show. We have done you a wonderful series here, and this comes from Mary Tocco. The series has been on vaccinations. First show was, why do we need to vaccinate? Where do vaccinations first start? Um, Do they really work? The second show was a hard show because it was telling you what's in them. And really, it's quite horrific, horrific. And I do ask you to uh, listen to that show with an open mind, but it's going to hit you sideways. So this show is a much, much lighter show. This is about keeping your immune system up so that you don't need to vaccinate and that you always maintain good health. There's always a solution to every problem and a good immune system is that solution. Mary has been doing this, studying this, researching this for over 25 years. It's her passion, her conviction for 40 years. She did not vaccinate any of her own children, all the grandchildren, and everybody's very, very healthy. She's been with her children to the hospital maybe once or twice with all five of them, I think it is. And if it works for her, then obviously it works for us. And let's not forget vaccination only started in the 50s. Yes, we did have some outbreaks of diseases beforehand, but as we said in the first show, a lot of that came down to the lack of clean water and hygiene. So how do we go back to tapping into our natural resources of our immune system so that we do not have to bombard ourselves with all these horrific chemicals that they are trying to put into our childhood bodies, into flu shots, and into any other way that they can. Remember, Your health is your choice. You do have a right as to what goes in and what goes on in your body as well. So, Mary, welcome back. I'm glad this is a lighter show today. Thank you. So good to be back with you again, Sarah. It was a heavy show last time. You had me gobsmacked, which is rare, of the ingredients that they are putting in these vaccines, the lack of testing, um, the proof of the side effects that are coming up that nobody's paying any attention to. And it, it really was a scary show. I'm going to openly admit that because it is scary to know what they are doing and pushing on us. And we do have a right to choose what we put in and on our body or how we choose to look after our health. It is our choice. But keeping the immune system is something that isn't difficult Um, we've just got to know how. So today, the immune boosters, how do we boost our immune system? Well, I think it goes back to first understanding that God did not forget to make an immune system within us. Mm -hmm. One of the most amazing things to me is when man thinks that they can improve on what God has made. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people out there that might not believe in God. They might believe in the Big Bang Theory. And they might believe in an evolutionary process that doesn't involve a God, but everything you look around you and you see such magnificent um, creation around you that this could not be by accident. Right. 
and let's keep in mind, animals in the, in the wild survive mm-hmm. without any medical intervention. Right. Um, if anything, man has interrupted with their natural cycles. As we begin to um, get involved in the laboratories and create things and our environmental changes and all, that will affect animals in the wild. But they still function and they still develop their offspring and they don't have medical interventions like we do. Um, Of course, we know that dogs and cats and other animals have been domesticated and and now we're doing to them what we've done to human beings, which is a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, they are doing dog and cat vaccines and cow vaccines and horse vaccines and all of that. And that is showing to cause some of the same problems in animals as it is causing in human beings. Mm -hmm. So to, to understand how magnificent this system is that God created, we have to go back to the fifth week of development in the womb. And just so you know, Sarah, I, refer, I, I actually refer to two amazing immunologists that I've had the honor to study under. Before I present information to people, I do a lot of research so that I understand it and can communicate it properly. So as I go through, I'm gonna mention two top uh, PhD immunologists that I get my information from. I used to have a radio show, and my first one is Dr. Stephen Marini. He's a PhD immunologist and a chiropractor. And he was my very first guest on my radio show many, many years ago, um, because I had attended lectures where he was teaching and educating other professionals, chiropractors, and naturopathic physicians, and giving them a deeper understanding of how the immune system develops and functions. So I'm going to actually quote from Dr. Marini, and and then um, people will begin to understand how magnificent this immune system is. So Dr. Marini serves on the board of the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association and the board of Holistic Pediatric Association, and also the board of the Integrated Healthcare Policy Consortium. Um, he's, he's considered an expert. He said that vaccine, vaccinologists are the people that study vaccines and they don't study the immune system. Yeah, doesn't make sense that. Like, <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. But he said for many, many years, immunologists were taught that the immune system was a separate part of the body like its own little separate compartment, much like the stomach or the liver. They thought that the only thing that would respond to a vaccination injected into the body would be this immune system. They didn't really understand its relationship to the whole body. They thought that it had autonomy. This would be like saying that if we eat an apple, the only thing that's going to be affected or respond is the stomach. But you see, allopathic medicine looks at all the parts of the body very separately. And that's actually the definition of allopathy, to look at things in parts. And so they don't look at the whole. Mm -hmm. Um, An example is an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Right. He specializes in the ear, nose, and throat. So if a child has ear infections or chronic throat infections or, um, you know, earaches, they just examine those parts without any idea of how their diet the amount of sugar that child is eating, the nerve supply coming through that spine to those ears. Um, they don't consider all of the other parts of the body in causing those symptoms. And so that's a very, very intricate understanding of how different 
the allopathic model looks at the immune system. Then in 1980s, with the huge epidemic of AIDS, supposedly, mm -hmm. um, they began to look at uh, the immune system all over the world and try to figure, you know, what is this AIDS epidemic about? And, and basically AIDS epidemics were happening in third world countries. And so in 1980, the Lancet Medical Journal said that, quote, the focus of science has shifted from a separate entity of the immune system to an interactive immune model. Now, that wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, I had my first child in 1980. And what was interesting is the chiropractors always knew that the immune system was intricately involved with everything in the body, including the nervous system. But it took medical, me medical science to catch up many, many, many years. Yeah. And Dr. Marini said that their, their standard, their gold standard of public health and vaccinology is to look at anti antibody titers, um, which is only one very small part of the immune reaction within the immune system. And current science knows that if you have high antibodies to maybe measles or chickenpox, it can actually mean that you are susceptible and or have an ongoing chronic infection to that. Mm. So it's very different than what the doctors look for today. Yes. They will do, you know, antibody titers to see if somebody has an immune reaction. And if you have titers, they say, oh, well, you're great. But we know now that that isn't always a good sign. And this was so compelling that in 1993, the, um, the, the, they actually had to develop a new area of medicine called neuroimmunology because they then had to begin to investigate the nervous system's reaction, the organ's reaction to the immune system. So that was not that long ago. No, no. We, we all assume that these immunologists are brilliant people that really, really understand the immune system when in actuality, modern medicine doesn't really have a clue. The thing is, if you're only going to be specializing in certain areas. I mean, we know even, you know, dental, you know, uh, how much goes into the bloodstream or affects the nerves and, and many other factors in there. So a dentist, it's not just paying attention to the teeth. If they're a really comprehensive dentist, they've got to take into where else is it going? The other thing, this blood of ours runs through the entire body and it carries things through the entire body, the oxygen and everything else. So where did they think it's almost it's almost the kind of looking at us as if we were an android and putting us together like a lego slot instead of looking at us as a whole entity where every single thing is connected you know the the nerve endings go right from the brain all the way through the body the fascia all the way through the body to make everything work so i can't understand where the compartmentalizing was logical in the first place you're absolutely right. That's an incredible analogy. We are not just computers. Mm -hmm. We are not that mechanistic. We have a uh, we have something in us called innate wisdom and knowledge, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I refer to in my book. Um, you know, I my whole life, I should say, majority of my life, has been based on a philosophical understanding of our immune system from a um, a non-allopathic medical model, more of a holistic. Um, uh, completely different, the opposite of the allopathic medical model. And in my book, I highlight a lot of the history of allopathy, 
and I also highlight this philosophical um, uh, place where I come from, that we are born with this innate wisdom and this innate knowledge and, and that we have a spirit, soul, body, mind, mm-hmm. and physical. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really the difference between a corpse who is dead and a live person. We have a lot more to us. Yes. And so everything, our body is, a, is like a, is a, a chemical, um, it's like a chemical uh, chemistry set. It's constantly making new chemicals and, and making things out of food that we aren't even aware of. And, and man has, has known so little about the immune system to think that we are manipulating it by injecting foreign, man-made, bioengineered, toxic viruses and ingredients that, I mean, honestly, it is truly a, a game of Russian roulette. You'll be interested in this while doing research for my book. Holistic Heritage, by the way, we will, um, you can find the book out here on her blog, um, here on um, Self-Discovery Media, but we will be covering more about where to get the book later. Absolutely. But one thing that while I was researching more, you know, just to get caught up on everything, in 2018, the top scientists discovered a new organ in the body. And I've always wondered, if you get a vaccine in each limb or in just wherever, how does it get to the organs? Does it, we know it doesn't just stay there. Mm-hmm. And we know that it ends up affecting us systemically. And I always wondered, how does it get where it goes? Sometimes it does get in the blood system, but not every, not every vaccination hits the blood system. And so I was always curious about this. And this is from Scientific America, March 2018. With all that is known about the human anatomy, you wouldn't expect doctors to discover a new body part in this day and age. But now researchers say that they have just done that. They found a network of fluid-filled spaces and tissue that hadn't been seen before. These fluid-filled spaces were discovered in the connective tissue all over the body, mm-hmm. including just below the skin surface, lining the digestive tract, the lungs, the urinary system, surrounding muscles, and according to a new study that they call this the fluid highway system. When I read that, I went, there you go. That is exactly how all of these ingredients get into all these Mm -hmm. systemic parts of the body. And so to think that they just discovered this two years ago, if that, and we've been injecting stuff into that system for over, well, now we're talking 60 years, is, is absolutely so unscientific. I know, you know, as they said, it's mind-boggling that, that they've discovered that. But, you know, I'm going to go back just to a couple of um, more modern-day diseases, fibromyalgia, which we talked about in the last show. Um, my fascial pain, um, which is um, where the, when you have an injury, the fascia is damaged. And uh, if that means that they, you know, they the messaging is not getting through to the body. And, you know, sometimes you actually feel like the, you're a river, you know, that your body feels like it, it's fluid everywhere. Right? right? right. And so right. it's, um, you try and explain that to a doctor. Oh, you just must be waterlogged. Your kidneys aren't working, you know? Mm. And, you know, it isn't. It's just actually that we're so on high alert now that, you know, our bodies can literally feel everything. So perhaps we felt it before they discovered it. You know, right. why don't we right. listen to people? 
You know, why can't we listen to a person when they're describing their body? They assume, well, it must be that. Instead of investigating, that's interesting. I wonder what's causing it. So that doctor-patient thing is not happening, is it? It's immediately, let's slap you with a drug or with something else. And we're not paying attention to something that might be out of the ordinary because we don't understand it. Absolutely. And that's part of the danger of what's going on. <laughs> Parents know their children better than anybody. And when they see huge changes take place in a child after a vaccination or being on antibiotics, they know something is wrong. And the doctors just refuse to listen to them. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, I'm not anti-medical. Nope. Just like you, I do have respect for doctors and their knowledge. I do have respect for an orthopedic surgeon who knows how to yes. put broken bones back together. Um, and I do utilize uh, catastrophic medical interventions when needed. But they are so far off when it comes to really promoting and understanding the human body and healthcare that if you go to a doctor these days, you're going to get drugs, yes. surgery, yes, and that's it. Yes. So I, I want to just make this comment too. If something, if a science or a, I guess a field of medicine is based on a wrong presupposition, then it's wrong. Yes. Yeah. So the whole vaccination policy and the whole program is based on an outdated presupposition. And people need to realize that, that the doctors in the schools only get one half day of vaccine education. And so if that doesn't shock you, my goodness, I don't know what will, right? I mean, also what kind of education is they getting it? Who's giving it? Is it the farmer, the people behind the drugs? So, you know, it's um, the, obviously clearly it's not enough information because if it was, then people would be more educated and question more the vaccines in the first place, right? The doctors would question it. Um, okay, hang on, but what are the side effects? Uh, how long have the studies been? You know, um, there's been cases of this and that, what's causing it? And surely if it was the right education, the doctors would be asking these questions instead of just carte blanche going, okay, vaccines, everybody can get them. I agree totally. So Dr. Marini, which is really cool, he says that the immune system starts developing in a baby while they're developing in the fifth week. He said that the thymus is already open for business. It invites stem cells to learn to become T cells, which are our immune fighting cells. They actually direct the immune response in the body. The infection fighting T helper cells, which we're going to refer to as, uh, refer to as T1, are a vital part of the immune system's defense system. He also mentioned, which is really amazing and, 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 reflects on our amazing innate wisdom that while a baby is developing, the mother's, the, the baby's immune system is suppressed so that mother and baby don't fight each other. Ah, Isn't that amazing? Oh, that makes sense. It you know, sure does. I mean, I, I had a doctor tell me I was allergic to pregnancy. The baby was taking everything. <laughs> and that makes sense a great deal. So that's why we need to really, really take care of ourselves through pregnancy because everything we've got is going to that baby. You bet. They're, they're, that baby's body, it's going to pull whatever it needs out yes. of you. Yeah. And it'll even take it out of your bones if it needs to. Yes. And that's that innate wisdom, making sure that that child is healthy enough to thrive when it's outside the womb. And that's why so it's so important that, to be healthy when you're pregnant. Oh, so prenatal care 
And I'm not talking about traditional prenatal care. I'm talking about taking care of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, I have several articles on my website, childhoodshots.com under natural immunity, where I talk to mothers, how to raise children and how to breastfeed and, but how to really support your body while you're pregnant. So my next book is going to be on that, by the way. Yeah. Needed, much needed. (laughs) So Dr. Rainey wanted, uh, he also talks about at this developing child, they have a developing brain, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he mentions the blood brain barrier, how it's composed of high density cells, which are there to restrict the passage of substances from the mother's bloodstream into the baby. And while a woman is pregnant in this country and in yours, they recommend flu shots, uh, the D- D- DTAP vaccination, and other things. <laughs> there are no safety studies on how this is going to affect the unborn child. In fact, there is a study that I reference uh, on my website on um, acetaminophen, which is in Tylenol. They did discover that when a woman takes Tylenol while she's pregnant, that the Tylenol can actually go in and kill the baby, the developing baby's liver cells. What? Yes. Is it because it's too strong? uh... Acetaminophen kills liver cells, even in adults. It's the number one reason for liver. It's in it's in every it's in every Tylenol and it's in in ninety other medications that are given in this country. Um, Some states outlaw it, and I do have a study on my uh, website. But they have discovered that acetaminophen is the number one reason for liver failure in this country, and people are doing it through the using of Tylenol. So be very careful. But wait a minute. Can we pause on that for a moment? If they know it's the number one, why is it still in in the Tylenol? I guess because it's good for business. I don't know. It's the number one medication that doctors tell mothers and fathers to give their babies after vaccines. Okay. And what Tylenol does and the acetaminophen and Tylenol does, it shuts down four metabolic pathways in the brain so that you do not detox. Makes no sense. Why would we, we need to detox to though? I mean, the whole That's thing right. about even when you're sick or you have a cold, you want to detox that cold. You want to detox whatever is attacking your body. It needs to come out, right? Either you sweat it out, pee it out, poop it out, whatever way it's got to come out. So what's the right. reason for blocking it? Um, it? None of it makes any scientific sense to me. In fact, if I was a young parent and um, – Again, I didn't use pediatricians, but if a mother wants to go see a pediatrician, that's certainly her option. But I would ask her to challenge the doctor. Doctor, why do you recommend Tylenol when it contains acetaminophen, which we know shuts down metabolic processes in the brain that aid in detoxing? You see, until doctors are accountable, we won't have change. No, because they will make the pharmaceutical companies accountable, right? Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And and the thing about it is parents are the ones who are driving this educational process because they have seen their children injured and they have woken up the mama bear is what they've done. Right. And mama Mm -hmm. bear is now on the war path and she's going to look at everything that she puts in that baby as well as in herself. And so it's a game changer. Yeah. Um, But my goal is to just educate people so they can ask the questions and make informed decisions. Right. And, if you feel like you need to reduce the fever, there are other safer methods. 
Um, so you do have options out there, people. Um, so it's all about making, like you say, informed decisions. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Marini says that while a woman's pregnant, if her baby is exposed to you know, medications, alcohol, drugs, we know that that, that immune balance can be disrupted. Uh, antibiotics disrupt it. So be very careful what you do when you're pregnant. Well, we, we have um, alcohol uh, fetal um, syndrome, syndrome, right, from people, yes. from, you know, the alcohol, of course, a drug addict, you know, you can have a, a child born a drug addict. So it makes sense that if we're taking other things, um, and, and of course, you know, mothers don't knowingly go and put in, I'm doing this to harm my baby. You know, we do this right. because they're trusting that that drug is, or that, you know, pill or that anything else out there is has been given the safety check. So it is again, back to buyer beware. You know, we can't just buy the advertising. We've really got to do the research. Well, you've done it for us, thank you. So all they need to do is go to your site and read and learn and also your DVD. Um, but we trust that we're going to be okay. You know, oh, you don't want to harm the baby, you must go on this antibiotic because otherwise your infection is going to go to the baby. That is what we're told, right? Absolutely. So Dr. Marini says that when a pregnant mother gets a vaccine with aluminum or mercury, it can disrupt the delicate balance of the unborn child and lead to neurological problems that show up later as learning problems, ADHD, autism. Uh, it can, we, we don't even know the full ramifications, but we're starting to see it in society. And so I want to move into the birthing process. Uh, Dr. Marini talks about how important it is to have a vaginal delivery, if at all possible. Because when a baby passes through the vaginal canal, their immune system is stimulated into action. Mm. During the, the, the developmental process, the baby's immune system is suppressed, and then all of a sudden the baby's coming through the birth canal and being exposed to good bacteria, good flora that are in mother's birth canal, which stimulates their immune system onto action. And so people need to know that you know, if you ended up having C-sections with your children, they will be at a disadvantage. Um, I was born by C-section as well. And my mother had placenta previa. I was her seventh child. And I'm glad I would have died. Uh, had I, she not been, um, so there is a time and there is a place for it. But we're going to talk about what happens if you have C-section delivery. But he says, as they travel through the birth canal, they pick up the necessary bacterium flora from the mother by their mouth, which eventually will stimulate the Th1 arm into activity. And then um, what happens is this bacteria and flora uh, end up lining their whole digestive system, uh, creating uh, the necessary bacteria that we need to have down there. A baby is is pretty much sterile when they're born. Mm -hmm. And so Dr. Marini says that when a baby gets that mother's first milk, called colostrum, mm -hmm. which is a yellowish, clear fluid. Um, the body only produces it in tiny amounts. That fluid is packed with stem cells and is packed with the right amount of sugar and proteins to encourage the flora that the baby got exposed to, to literally work its way through the whole digestive system and eventually line it all in their bio, it's called biofilm. Um, it's wonderful. That's why breastfeeding is so very important. Yes, a very pro breastfeeding. Yeah, very pro. Absolutely. And so it, it encourages the TH1 arm of the immune system and that good bacteria. 
So I tell mothers, if you can breastfeed at least six months exclusively, mm-hmm. do it. Even if you have to pump your milk and leave it behind. And if some women aren't producing enough milk, which does happen, they have milk banks. You can go onto Facebook and you would be amazed at how many women produce an abundance of milk and are selling their milk now, mm-hmm. which is something we didn't have when I was growing no, up, growing my not. children. Yes. So you can literally go on Facebook and advertise. I want organic, you know, mothers need to eat organic. You, know, you can say, I don't want a smoker, right. um, a woman who avoids alcohol. I want good milk. Um, and, and they'll actually, you can actually buy it. And it's wonderful because it's going to give that baby what it needs to be as healthy as possible. Right. Um, I want to just pause a second and go back sure. to the, the, the human design. When we look at the intricacies of the body and how it's made, it is quite mind blowing. Um, it's whoever the creators were, you know, Gus, God, universal spirit, you know, we are incredible species and the, the way we were designed, you know, they haven't left anything un, unturned. Everything has a reason. And when you look at nature, you know, it dies in the winter and then comes the spring and then suddenly something, a field that looks completely dead is full and alive again. And it's the, the, the ability to rejuvenate, you know, for the continuum on. All we need to do is understand we need to nurture our fields by plowing them before we reseed them, right? And we need to nurture ourselves so that we can stay on top of our health and giving our body what we need in order to replenish. This is already a complex machine. Why are we trying to rewire it or, you know, redesign it? Because we can't design it on the same level that it's already been designed. Absolutely. Uh, We have this innate wisdom that took us from two single cells, you know, a sperm and an egg, and made us into this complex absolutely phenomenal, self-healing, self-repairing human being. If we cut ourselves, we could literally sit there, put a camera on it, and you would watch it heal itself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's our wonderful stem cells that are working. And so we heal on the inside the same way. But unfortunately, we have a lot of things in our environment that are going against that. So I always tell people, look at ways that you can promote your health and produce a healthy body, figure out things that are interfering with that healing process. And if you look at that and address those things, you're going to be the healthiest person you could be. I am healthier at 63, almost 64, than I was when I was 32. Mm -hmm. So it is possible. The body wants to heal and repair. We just have to understand how it does that and, and not interfere with that. Yeah, so, it's, it's, you know, it's the same as if you're driving a car, you know, good oil in it, good fuel in it, make sure that all the water is in the radiator and everything else. Um, you know, and then that car is going to be extremely loyal to us. This is a vehicle we're in. You know, absolutely. we've got to look after this vehicle, which means that we've got to put high octane fuel into us. And then a body will work very, very well. So how do we boost our immune system, you know, to a point where it really can combat any of those diseases out there that we were talking about in the first two shows. I love your analogy to the car because if you have a car that is sputtering and doesn't want to stay, you know, stay running, 
You can put oil in it. You can put gas in it. You can put the best grade oil in it or gas. But if the spark plug is misfiring, mm-hmm. you've got to change the spark plug. Right. And see, I kind of anal- analogize that to the chiropractor. The chiropractor works with your spark plugs. Mm-hmm. He makes sure that everything's firing properly so that, you know, if you've got the best gas, the best oil, and you've lubricated and you've rotated your tires and you've done what you can to keep your car going, it's going to run the best that it can as long as it can. Yes. And so our body is kind of mechanical like that because we have all these parts that make it work and run. Mm-hmm. So now we'll get to the gut health because gut health is critical for immune system development and also maintaining a healthy immune system. The gut is where 75% of our immune system lives and the bacteria flora is a very important part of that immunity. Healthier children have healthy gut flora. Antibiotics disrupt gut flora. Mm-hmm. So if a child has had antibiotics the first year or two of life, their gut flora has been terribly disrupted and it sets them up now for things like candida yeast overgrowth, clostridia, other gut bugs that aren't affected by antibiotics will take over. And then that child will start to have symptoms, which we can talk about how do we address that. But these are all signs that the gut is out of balance. Sleeping patterns are disrupted, craving sugars and carbohydrates, um, being fussy, um, ADD attention deficit, hyperactivity, depression, anxiety, uh, children who don't know what they want and are in confusion. These are all signs that the gut isn't healthy and that the gut brain connection has been interrupted. So that's a whole nother show. Um, But gut health is very, very important. So breastfeeding will help support proper gut flora. If your child didn't breastfeed, unfortunately, they are also at a disadvantage uh, because uh, formula formula cannot do what breast milk can do. I encourage people to get a can of formula while you're in the grocery store and look at the first ingredient. You're going to see that it's corn syrup. Mm. And then you're going to find all kinds of artificial things that are in that that formula, even organic, uh, um, you know, uh, formula can have some pretty bad things in it. So if you can't get breast milk and you can't, and you have to formula feed, do get organic formulas. Be careful of soy. Mm-hmm. Soy is not good. Be careful um, with, um, you know, dairy based. Uh, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to find a really good formula that's going to nurture that gut system and feed the brain of an infant. You know, just, um, I used to have a, a wonderful host. She's, um, was approaching her eighties and she was called the snake oil woman. Cause back in the sixties, when she started with holistic medicine, everybody called her a snake oil woman, but she always said that the colon, the liver and the kidneys are the three most important organs in the body because if they're not functioning, nothing else will function properly. Absolutely. Watch out if your baby's constipated. Mm-hmm. That's a huge sign of gut imbalance. Um, of course, I've been in the clinical environment most of my life, just recently semi-retired. And as I would interview parents during their um, initial consultation about their children, how often does your baby go number two? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, a couple times a week. Uh, really? Oh, yeah, my, my, my pediatrician said this is normal. And I'm absolutely not. Babies no. need to be eliminating every, every day. day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If not twice a day, mm-hmm. especially breastfed babies. But if a baby is not going healthy poops once a day, that child 
child is constipated. And you have to look at what you're feeding them. And you also have to look at their circuit board, get them to a chiropractor. Um, I've heard so many parents say that with the first or second adjustment of their baby, that all of a sudden they're pooping. Um, so the circuit board could be messed up from the birth process or whatever. But constipation should never, ever, ever be tolerated. Um, just like irritable bowel is a sign that the, um, the colon is, is, is very upset and irritated um, or inflamed. Just those things kind of thrown in there. So Dr. Marini goes on to explain that all infants get exposed through bacteria, to bacteria, funguses, spores, dust, mold, um, and all of that through their nose, mouth, their nose, their mouth, and their ears, just like us. They're breathing and they're taking in their environment. Millions of times a day, a newborn infant is responding to their new environment and we don't even know it. Right. Their immune system is learning about their environment at home. If mom goes into a shopping center, the baby's learning about that environment. As people get close to the baby, they're picking up spores and fungus and molds and mildew and dust. If they're exposed to animals in your home, all of these exposures, their immune system is responding millions of times a day and learning about their environment. So this is where understanding children's symptoms is so very important. Mm -hmm. It is normal for children to have runny noses, fevers, swollen glands, body rashes, as their immune system begins to learn and filter out things within their body. Stabilizing. Babies, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Babies put everything in their mouth and they start yes. with their own fingers and their own hands. And, and imagine a baby crawling. I have, right now, I have a granddaughter who's, who's nine months old and she crawls on the floor and she's into everything. She's actually walking now. But they crawl on the floor with those little hands. And the first thing they do is pick them up and put them in their mouth. They go over, they find a dog bone to chew on or <laughs> a toy that's been sitting on the floor. Or they might even get a hold of a bug sitting in the corner behind a plant that mom missed while vacuuming. But people need to understand that this is their body telling them to educate my inside about my outside. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, how did we last for thousands and thousands of years before all this inoculation? When, um, I mean, yes, we do know that in the first show we talked about how certain diseases came about, you know, through the lack of hygiene, the lack of running water, the not yes. washing of the hands and everything else. But then, you know, other than those particular type of diseases and situations, we have survived for thousands of years. And it was, yeah, we weren't walking around with the um, Purex, whatever it's called all the time, you know, wash, washing our hands and everything. So the, the, the body knows how to cope with the balance. It's just if it's inundated with something, it can't cope with it. And that's where those outbreaks happen, right? So that's when you need the strong immune system. But for day to day, the body is taking care of itself in many Absolutely. ways. Right. And Dr. Marini went on, and this is what's so powerful. He talked about the role of the fever in the human body. And, and I encourage people to write this down because this is, this is when, when your child starts running a fever, don't go into panic. You know, pick out your notes and say, oh, yes. Dr. Marini says that while a fever, when a fever is at 102 degrees, the body produces a form of um, interferon, which is a protein that prevents viral replication and inhib inhibits cancer cells. 
So, so it's honey, doing its job. It's doing its job, in other words. Absolutely. It's burning it up. And at 103 degrees or higher, all the nutrition in the body is being pulled into the spleen and stored there. If you can imagine how the body does that, mm. amazing. And it's because the body will then starve off bacteria that would be living off of your nutrition. And it starts killing them off. You see, bacteria can only live in a very short variance of temperature. So they might be able to, to survive at 102 or 99 or 100. But when you get into the 103, 104 degrees, they are killed off by the billions. And that's when the body is working very hard. That is also when a person will feel nauseous when they smell food and their body is saying, don't eat food. Mm -hmm. And it's when the child will, will, will push away the breast or will push away a bottle or doesn't want to eat. It's because their body is saying, don't feed me right now. I need to starve off bacteria. And I've had five children and I'm on eight, eight grandbabies now. Number nine is coming. And what I noticed is children run fevers more at night than day. They run hotter at night than day. And it's amazing how they'll run a high fever and then their body will cool down for a little bit. Then they'll run a high fever again and it'll cool down a little bit. And, and I don't tell people, you know, what to do during a fever, but there are several books that I reference. One is how to raise a healthy child in spite of your doctor by Dr. Robert Mendelson. And I have that book on my website. And when people order that book for me, which is phenomenal, I will give them a free booklet that I did on the aluminum and mercury in vaccines. Okay. okay. Holding and up a book a uh, called Vaccines, folks. So if you're just listening to this and not watching it, and it will uh, be available on that site, we will show you the link to it. Absolutely. So it's what your doctor won't tell you. This little booklet will help you people understand just the mercury and aluminum issues with vaccines. But the book from Robert Mendelson is available on my website, and it's like a $6 book. And I used it to raise my children. Mm -hmm. And so, but Dr. Marini says, you know, it's when they're running a high fever, the biggest thing is keeping them hydrated. Right. Um, if they're really running hot and you're concerned, make sure that their feet are uncovered, their little hands are uncovered. Um, even take them out of that onesie, you know, get them in a nice, you know, blanket underneath a sheet where their body can breathe but making sure they're hydrated is the key thing. Cold compress on the forehead or not? It doesn't have to be cold. It can just be wet. Right. Because it will feel cold to them. Right. And then another thing that I did is a warm, a warm bath because hydration is important. Yes. And it used to be where they say, put them in a cold bath. Well, that is shocking. And being in a warm bath will hydrate them and oftentimes be enough to calm down that fever. And so, um, true story, I digress. One o'clock this morning, my son Curtis, who's a new dad, um, he's got the little one that's running around at nine months. 1.30 in the morning, calls me, mom, Aria is running a, about 103 temperature and I just wanna check in with you. I said, okay, how's she doing? Well, she's fine, she's a little fussy and she's restless. Um, son, make sure her feet are uncovered. Um, put her in a onesie, um, like just uh, you can put her in her diaper with a t-shirt as long as she's under some blankets. Uh, make sure she's hydrated. Um, if she starts getting shaky or acting funny, give her a warm bath. You can use a warm compress on her forehead. I mean, my, my own kids still call me and it's wonderful. Yes, yes. And my, all of my nieces and nephews will call me, you know, Aunt Mary, 
Um, my child is running a hot fever. And what we find is it's usually related to teething, um, cutting some molars. Mm -hmm. uh, they might be tugging on their ears. So we talked about if the baby seems like she's in pain, you have some natural ear drops that you can put in those ears to help. But I mean, we can do so many things to help our children get through, but we don't try to interfere with that fever. What happens if it is actually a fever that is related to an infection? My youngest daughter had terrible ear infections. Um, eventually had to have the tubes put in there and um, because the, the fevers would come on, she'd literally be screaming in pain and the, it would yeah. be high pitch. And so we had to put her on antibiotics to calm it down. Would, would I, should I have done something different or is, is it a different case when it's bacterial in that way? Well, I mean, where do antibiotics come in? Because, I mean, they, they are life-saving, you know, yes. was, but it's the moderation of them that we're looking at, not the, oh, you've got a temperature here, take an antibiotic. Your children will let you know when they need help. For example, were your children vaccinated? Yes. Okay. Vaccines is the number one cause of ear infections. The whole time raising my children, they didn't have a single ear infection as a child. It was when they were older swimming in the lake and then we would use a peroxide flush and get rid of it. Ear infections is, is a definite side effect of vaccination. So if you have children that are vaccinated and ear infections is a problem, it's usually more related to dairy uh, sensitivity, something they're eating, it could be wheat sensitivity. Um, they need to be adjusted perhaps by a chiropractor and there's other natural ways to address it. Um, you don't need an antibiotic. In fact, many antibiotics are not effective in the ear. You can use silver in the ear. You can use peroxide in the ear. You can use olive oil with a little bit of um, uh, biocidin, which is a biobotanical research, makes a, a product that is all botanical. There are many, many, many options to dealing with ear infections or the imbalances in ear. It might not be bacterial. Mm -hmm. And so Dr. Mendelssohn's book, How to Raise a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Doctor, tells parents very clearly when they need to seek medical attention. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't give a medical advice. I give parents options that they can try, but ultimately you got to trust your gut and yeah. you know your baby better than anybody. And if your baby's screaming and crying and in pain, there are natural pain relievers out there that are herbal. Um, you have so many options. Antibiotics to me would be a very, very last, last resort. Uh, resort. I, would, I personally never gave my babies an antibiotic, but that was my decision. I used other things. So there is a time and a place. And that's why Dr. Mendelssohn's book is helpful, How to Raise a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Doctor, because he identifies all the normal things kids go through, including the role of the fever, swollen glands, and when a parent needs to seek medical attention. So, so the thing, your children weren't vaccinated, so they have a good, strong right. immune system. So they haven't needed to go down that road. But for yes. a child like mine, you know, maybe somebody who's listening has already vaccinated their kids. Yes. You know, how do they rebuild that immune system in a vaccinated kid so that they don't have to go down antibiotics or develop gut problems or don't develop everything else that the vaccines have stimulated? So. You yes. know, for some people, oh, but I vaccinated my kids. What do I do now? Have I doomed the child? No, there's right. still time to help yes. your child be healthy. So what can that, we do for the child that has been vaccinated or ourselves even? You know, well, um, that's a it's whole not too late lecture. for us. That, that we obviously need a fourth shot. 
We do. And, it, and my lecture is called Help My Child is Sick. And in there, I identify all of the things that can happen through the environmental toxicity and all of that. And we talk about there are four main areas in the body you have to address when your child is sick. Um, one of them is their eating habits. One of them is their immune system. One of them is their digestive system. And one of them is their nervous system. And so how do we go about working in all those four areas to regain health, to stimulate proper immune response, and to recover and help children who have been vaccinated? And that is a whole nother show. Right. Um, but I can do that in the future. But I'm talking about parents who are starting out and they don't want to use medication and interrupt. They don't want to depend on medication when their children are going through what we call normal immune aerobics. Other signs of normal immune function, nausea, throwing up. If your baby is crawling on the floor and they eat something that doesn't belong there, you better hope they throw it up. Mm -hmm. um, I referenced in my DVD, my niece, we were all out at my mom's pool. All of our babies were young and we were playing in the yard and she put a frog in her mouth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it turned around, she was three. And we were like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> and we laughed. Of course, we took the frog out immediately and had her wash her mouth. But what if she would have had a fever that night or threw up a little bit? That would have been the body rejecting. Exactly. And so other things, um, no appetite. Uh, when children are, don't have an appetite, it means their body might be working on something. Swollen glands in the neck and in the groin area means your immune system, part of the lymphatic system is working. Um, keep your eye on it. Keep them, you know, give them warm baths or whatever. Keep them comfortable. If a child is unusually tired, uh, headaches while fighting an illness, is your immune system working? Diarrhea is the is a sign of the body eliminating something quickly that it needs to get rid of. Skin rashes is the final stage of chickenpox, measles, um, mumps. Of course, is the swollen glands, but roseola. All of these uh, infectious illnesses will result in a skin rash. That child, their body is filtering it out now. That is the final stage when that happens. So don't panic people because your child has a, a measles rash or a chickenpox rash. Your baby's been working on that for over a week. Right. And you might remember them running a light fever or not being themselves or just being a little under the weather is how I call it. And then coughing and sneezing. This is how the body expels things that need to come out. So those runny noses that are very common between the ages of one and six, the coughing, the swollen glands, all of these things is their immune system going through the aerobics of life. And I love this quote, nothing in the human body gets strengthened by avoidance, only by overcoming its challenges. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. And you know, it does take us we have to be strong parents. We have to have faith and confidence in the human body and in the innate wisdom that created it. And it takes a little bit of unlearning or brainwashing. We need to be brainwashed. We have to stop freaking out and fear every time a child has a symptom and realize symptoms are part of the body's expression of what's going on. And they're not bad. They are very healthy and very normal the first six, seven years of life that our children go through this all the time. Right. So, you know, it's just being, um, pay attention to your child. Um, 
building the immune system that child is going for the natural immune system there and if we pay attention to it and you know and then it's it's kind of monitoring you know is this something that's natural that's happening in the child you'll know if it's if it's not right. you know it's hard you know when you have a screaming child or a child with a fever it's very hard you want to run to your doctor and say fix please because you don't know what to do right. so being guided on what to do is giving you the strengths and the ability and the tools so that you're not going to panic. But we're looking at so many um, immune system breakdowns in children today, which you know, are a lot to do with the vaccines, but also a great deal to do with the, uh, the diet. So the yes. immune system is a hell of a lot to do with what we put in our body. And when you look at it, just about every label you read on any processed food today mm -hmm. is sugar or some artificial this, artificial that. And good old wholesome organic food you know uh raw or lightly cooked is still the best way isn't it absolutely and in fact i tell parents if you can't afford to buy organic grass-fed meat free-range chickens and eggs and organic foods for the whole family at least get it for your developing baby or that young child who's developing their bones their brains their lungs their all their organs are forming because the toxicity in regular store-bought food is not going to do it. It's no. going to cause them to have so many health problems. Right. And, 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 you know, when you start to really look at what you bring into your home, and I, you know, I have a whole lecture on Raising Children Nature's Way where we talk about the cleaning products, mm -hmm. the personal care products, like you mentioned, Shampoos. all of the anti oh, the oh. antibacterial yes. soaps yes. and the Febreze to make your house smell good. Yeah. We have to really start taking all of these toxins out of our life in a very systematic approach. But I tell parents, if you can do nothing more, send your children to lunch with a wholesome lunch. Mm -hmm. Get on these mommy groups, these natural mommy groups, the crunchy mommy groups, and, and, and look at your blog on how do I pack a good lunch for my child? Mm -hmm. um, how do we avoid those microwave uh, lunch school uh, school lunch programs because everything's microwaved and devitalized and and it's franken food yeah and so yeah. we really have to focus on what we do feed our children and the environment that we're bringing them in and i know it's probably going to get late but i want to mention dr tatianu abakanich she learned she earned her phd in immunology at the rockefeller university in new york she did her postdoctoral training at harvard medical school in boston and also stanford stanford university in California. She is a dear friend of mine. Um, a couple years back, um, I, was I was lecturing a lot and I invited her to come along. And when I would normally do a four-hour lecture, I would give her an hour and I would do three. And she would focus on the immune system. And she's fascinating. She um, has a book called Vaccine Illusion, how the vaccination compromises our natural immunity and what we can do to regain our health. She does talk about nutritional support for the immune system. But this is what happened. She was in university's majority of her adult life as an immunologist doing research. And then she got pregnant and took a maternity leave. And while she was on maternity leave, she decided to look at the anti-vaccine movement to see what this is all about. And she ended up doing a 180 degree turn. And this is a quote from her ebook. After years of doing research in immunology, observing scientific activities of my superiors and analyzing vaccine issues, I realized that vaccination is one of the most deceptive 
inventions that science could ever convince the world to accept. It is not immunity that we gain via vaccination, but a puny surrogate. For this reason, vaccination is at its core is neither a safe nor effective method of disease prevention. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I love, and I, I reference her all the time in my book. I go into a lot more quotes uh, from her because she talks about, again, how do we build the immune system? But Dr. Rini said that children who are allowed to get their uh, illnesses naturally through natural exposure will have lifelong immunity and have a robust immune system by the time they're 9, 10, 11, 12 years of age. The immune system takes five to seven years to develop. And so it is when, it is when it's developing that our children have a lot of symptoms. And I have observed, not only in my big family and all of my children and grandkids, but these children go through all of this when they're young. Yes. By the yes. time they're five, six years of age, they get an occasional cold. They have an occasional strep throat, which can be treated naturally. They have, you know, it's not a constant thing like it is when they're cutting their molars, yeah. working on yeah. their teeth, and, you know, crawling around the floor. You know, we do have a problem today where both parents are working and somebody's looking after the kid and they say, oh, no, if your kid has a fever, I can't have the kid. I've got other kids here. And those type of fevers that these children are going through are not contagious, are they? They're just their own body building up the immune system or uh, elite, uh, deleting. So child carers really need to be aware of this as well and how to handle a child. Don't throw Tylenol at it. You know, maybe that child does need um, a lukewarm bath or cooling off or whatever the case is right. because the reason why I think so many people turn to the western medicine is that I have to work I can't stay at home and nurse my child through this process you know back in the day yes. that's what we did you know we stayed home and looked after our kids today it's very rare to see that so the caregivers need to understand the process as well so that they're not running immediately to the medicine cabinet or denying that having the child, you know, because it might be contagious. Well, that's the hard part with society. Mm -hmm. We used to stay home with our children and we were in tune with this. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother having 11 children never worked out of the home, but she worked her tail off in the house. Oh God, but yes. <laughs> we did not run to the doctor. We didn't have a pediatrician. I was at the doctor's office maybe five times my whole life growing up. Uh, we have lost this mm. transition of information and wisdom these young mothers do not have a clue how to raise their kids. But I am encouraged how many mothers are walking away from their career and they might have one less car, one less big screen TV in the home, yes. a smaller house, um, uh, less vacation time, uh, less materialism, because they want to be a responsible, crunchy mom who has what we call um, uh, attachment parenting where they breastfeed their children. They make their baby food from scratch when they're um, on table food. They know how to introduce foods gradually to the baby, how to introduce the green veggies first. They know how to handle these things when they're at home. I am so encouraged by the number of women who are opting out of a career and opting to take care of their children because being a mother is the most important job. Oh, yeah. I'm, Nothing I'm, no, no. And the thing is, we've got to understand it is a job. You know, we've elected to have these children, but we've got to understand we are custodians. Whatever happens to these children is, is through 
as guiding, nurturing, and supporting them. You know, they're not just kind of a byproduct like an extra car. You know, it's, they are somebody that we need to invest in. And having done a whole series on the forgotten children, the amount of children that are literally thrown away in, in one way or the other is horrible. Yeah. If we invest in nurturing our children right from the word go and being there for them, especially in those first few years, maybe up to even grade two, um, you know, then you can go back to work because now the kid's in a different system, you know, and they're at school all day and it's okay if they have right. aftercare. But those first few years are so, so very important to that child. And that child will be better off down the road, not only in their own lives, but in their contribution to society. And uh, we have got to start, we used to, if, if, a, if a mother had a career and didn't stay and look after children, she was penalized. Now, if she isn't working with her career and isn't staying at home looking after her children, she's attacked. The thing is, why yeah. are you having a child in the first place? And one of you, whether yeah. it's mum or dad, and you know, plenty of parents are tag teaming now. They're both working part time, so that a parent can be at home. Absolutely. Right? So there's I ways of making my, it happen. One of my children, my oldest son Austin, um, was developing his business an online website developer, and my daughter-in-law was a um, worked in a wonderful hair salon for most of her career. Well, when they had children, she would pump her breast milk leave it. And she would go to work three days a week and be gone. And he was taking care of his child. And it was wonderful because I remember him calling me and he was just laughing about, oh, you wouldn't believe what Ronald's did today. And you wouldn't believe what he did today. And he would say, mom, I can't believe how much dads miss out on. Oh, yes. There yes. He's like, I wouldn't trade this for anything. And so even fathers who, you know, I, I agree, we have a problem. I feel bad for the single parents, the single yes. moms. Yes, too many of them. Are very, very hard. Yeah, but and I and I don't have all the answers. It's not yeah. easy. Um, it's it's terrible that you know fifty percent of our families are breaking up, and yeah. mothers have to put their children in daycare and go get a full time job outside the home, and they're not able to nurture their children and breastfeed and you know be there for them. And it's sad. It's a real problem in society. But if you're young and you're starting out. You and your husband need to sit and talk about this. Do you want to raise your children or do you want a daycare system raising yeah. your children? What is most important? I have no regrets that, and I worked part-time the whole time I raised my kids, but my husband, my ex-husband's a chiropractor. I had the blessing of taking my kids into work with me. My babies were always with me. Right. And when I didn't have them with me, I made sure I had someone in my home feeding them the way I wanted them to eat. And not letting them see cable. You know, I was in charge of right. my home in that regard. And guess what? There were many times we had one car. Many times I went to the resale store to buy my kids clothing. Mm -hmm. Many times I was garage sailing for their toys because it meant more to me to be home with my children than to have the latest, greatest TV. I mean, we didn't have cable TV because we didn't want our, our focus was more important on, you know, cable TV was 60, 80 bucks back then a month. Right. And so we didn't, we, we spent our money where it was more important than that was in our food and me being home with my children as much as possible. And, you know, as far as the resale, so, you know, the thing is, that's just recycling. You know, a child exactly. grows so quickly. I mean, what we used to have, I was a stay-at-home mom. And then a couple of times tried to go into things and it just didn't work, stayed at home. And I was the neighborhood mom. 
you know, I had quite a number of children come and live with us while they were going through some problems at home. I was, uh, the kids always brought somebody home at the end of the day and it was afternoon tea, whatever we're having and who, who do we know is going to stay for supper tonight? And they had fortunately a lot of space where they could always have people sleep over because I wanted that home to be that sanctuary and that place, but it's also where mom could keep an eye on them. Right. Um, you know, uh, I was blessed that I could do that because for me having children was very, very important that I raise them. Now my son is 35 and right now um, I say I have grand cats, grand dogs and a grand restaurant. And, And my son has this restaurant and it takes, all of his time right now. And he said, Mm -hmm. until his restaurant is stable, where he can take the time to be with his children, he won't have children. He doesn't care if it comes later because he wants the time to be with his kids and not be, you know, a a father that's working 12 hours a day and never sees them. So that's his choice. And my younger daughter at 31 is looking in the next couple of years. And um, my other daughter at 37 has decided, no, I don't want children. If I marry somebody who's already got an older child, that's different. She doesn't want children. And I think we're looking at at very differently with our kids today. Not everybody is rushing out to have a kid or they want to be able to give the time or they want their careers first. And I say, be mindful, be mindful because Mm -hmm. that child is with you for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter how old or how tall they get. They're always your baby. And you want them to be the best that they can be for themselves. And so whatever their choices are, you know, if it's based in, I want to be able to give the time or I I want to be able to afford the best nutrition. Um, You know, I want to be able to afford all that a child needs. And what we've got to forget, the child doesn't need a tablet, uh, you know, or a phone at that one year old. Um, Or, you know, the mindlessly... um, one of his friends has a kid that all they do is put the tablet in front of it and that child is glazed over at that tablet, doesn't know how to interact at all. It's already damaged the neurological there. So there's so much to parenting. And I think it's very daunting for people. You know, I'm pregnant, oh, wonderful, fantastic. And then mm-hmm. it's like your prenatal thing you've got to do. And then the child needs to be vaccinated when it's born. No, this life that you're about to bring into the world, do your research. You're buying a car, you do your research. You're buying a house, you go look around, the neighborhood, the this, the that, the house, everything else, you do your research. Why aren't you doing your research raising your children? Exactly. And and that's really the key is there are tools out there. Yes. For people like myself. If they look at your site, it's one stop. (laughs) There's so much you have on there. Take the time, go through the level. You've put all of your 25 years or 40 years of wisdom in there. And I'm always improving on it. And, and the thing is, is I don't have all the answers, but right. I have a lot of the right answers because I see the results in my family, families around the country that connect with me who say, my children, I raise my kids just like you and they're so healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we had an ear, ear infection and we used um, this natural olive oil with a little bit of tea tree or whatever. And, and the, the ear infection was gone. I, I see it day in and day out on these sites. And, and so parents, if you're, wanting to know how to do this, just look for these, these groups that you can join on Facebook alone. Yes. Crunchy moms, mamas of natural health, uh, moms for natural, um, for medical freedom. You know, all of these sites are there and there are so many wonderful ways that you can raise your children without turning to traditional allopathic medicine, unless it's a crisis. 
and to understand you are entitled to ask you are entitled to um, say no nobody although there are many states in america that are trying to push these vaccines on things your kid can't go to school if that's the case homeschool there are plenty that's of homeschools right. around you you know this dictatorship of that you must is completely you know a balderdash because if you stand up in unity and say no to the vaccines and you say no that I want to choose how I raise my child and I'm choosing to use, uh, raise my child holistically. Nobody has the right to turn around and tell you not. The reason they're pushing the agenda is the bottom line, folks, and I'm awfully sorry to say this, is money. There is money in vaccines. If you look and listen to the first two shows and understand how vaccination came around, the effect that they're having, the detriment that they're having, and more diseases that are coming about today, new systems breaking down. It's unbelievable how sick we are today. And we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be in this day and age. We should be healthier because we're supposed to know more. So the more we know and the more we resist, the more you can bring about the change. This is what these shows are all about. So please listen to the first show of why do we vaccinate? Where do vaccines come from? The second show of exactly what's in there. And I admit it's a horror show because once you know what they put in there, it will horrify you. And then this show, of course, is all about the immune system. And clearly we have to do another show on kids that have been vaccinated and how to rebuild an immune system because many of them have. And it's not just our kids, it's ourselves. I was vaccinated. Absolutely. I have a whole stew of, of illnesses which could be definitely related to antibiotics, but could be related back to the vaccines as well. So Absolutely. it's not the end of it. You know, it's not the end. It's not the, um, oh, I was vaccinated, so I'm doomed. No, it no. means that you have to now do your research in rebuilding your immune system, getting your body back on track. How can you help your body? Because there is always an answer there, right? It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. And, and I would like to leave with the visual for people. If I took an apple, let's say it's a beautiful organic apple, and I took an apple and I injected into it all types of chemicals, um, some phenol, acetone, uh, formaldehyde, maybe a little bit of aluminum here and there, and some you know, baby DNA, would you eat the apple? Right. And so this is just one visual I'd like to give people because it makes you stop and think about what we're putting in our own bodies and what we're putting in our children's bodies. If it's not safe to eat, and if by eating that apple we could die or get terribly sick, we have to really stop and think about what we're putting in our mouth, over-the-counter medications and injections and stuff like that as well. So, so that's a visual. And I actually have a, a picture. When I do my lectures, I take this big, beautiful apple um, and I have colored water and all these injection needles. And as I'm doing my lecture, I'm putting them in the apple. And then of course, at the end, there's this visual of this apple with all these injections in it. And, and people are like, I would never eat that. Well, why would you ever feed your baby this apple or turn it into applesauce for your baby? Right. And of course the answer is no. Well, then why will we allow these things into our body from our, we won't allow it through our mouth. Why would we allow it through our through our, our muscles. So just something to think about. Yeah. We've trusted our doctors. 
And yeah. the, the trouble is the doctors have trusted the pharmaceutical and the vaccine uh, department saying they have to have. And the thing is, the doctors need to stand up now and say, I'm questioning this. Parents need to stand up and say, I'm questioning this. We want accountability. Where is the research? Prove mm -hmm. to us that we need this and that the side effects aren't. Just like all these commercials, you take this drug mm -hmm. for one thing, but there's 20 things of the side reaction that could happen, including death. Well, that's Absolutely. a vaccination, right? You is that. That's a vaccination. And, and if your immune system is weak, it doesn't matter what they vaccinated you against. Your immune system is weak and it's going to get whatever's out there because your own defense is down. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Your site, my darling, where people can find all this information. Childhoodshots.com. And when you, um, let's see, when you order the book directly from me, uh, if you want to get it directly from me, uh, you can email me, mary at marytoco.com, and that's M-A-R-Y-T-O-C-C-O.com. I will send the book, and I will also send along a free booklet here on the aluminum and the mercury still in the vaccinations. My DVD series is probably one of the most complete series you could ever find. I encourage people to get a weekly group together and watch all six parts and discuss it and talk about it and think about it. But it's, it's called vaccination, vaccines, risk, responsibility, and rights. And by the way, those are my two of my grandbabies there. Um, just a real candid picture that my daughter-in-law took and I went, they look so healthy. These guys are both born at home, breastfed long-term, never had a drug in their body um, and doing great. And, uh, but I cover, Everything you can imagine, all, all the way going back to the polio vaccine in the 1950s forward. Ingredients, there's so much on that DVD series that it'll take you a while to watch it. Right. Um, but it's, and it's digest well it. it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, and also, you have a promo for people listening to the shows right now where there's 50% off. So again, if you yes. go back to selfdiscoverymedia.com and just put in Mary Tocco. T-O-C-C-O, yeah. you will see all of the shows that we have done, plus the, and, you know, I also invite you in the first shows where she's given us an awful lot of videos um, on, that really oh, yeah. will shake you up. And, uh, um, and in the second show, it's, it's really a great deal of banners of all the information on there. We're not trying to, you know, we are trying to shock you. Yes, because we want you to be aware of what is going on, because only you can change it by saying no more, it's up to you. Everybody's voice needs to say no more. Um, and it, but it is rather horrific what has been allowed to happen and it's rather criminal. And if yeah. this, you know, this, if this was happening in another part of the world, you know, probably criminal activity will be brought, you know, against them, these, these organizations, but they're being protected. And so we have to look at it. Where did that protection come from? Why is that protection in place? Why is it more protected than we are? Yes. That's the big question. So marytoco.com, selfdiscoverymedia.com, put in Mary Toco in the search engine. You're going to see all of the shows. We will have a back at another date where we will talk about the immune system 
after you've been vaccinated because Absolutely. that's that's a very important one because i know a lot of people listening to us say but i did vaccinate now what that's not too late we can build the immune system up again and first and foremost it's the gut so go to her site because there is so much information up there so much information that you can start digesting and you can start doing we never give you a show presenting a problem without a solution childhoodshots.com has the solution mary's 25 years of dedication up there for you so that you can be empowered again thank you so much mary and i do consultations if right. people are interested in um, doing a consultation with me. I don't give medical advice, but I can direct you, guide you, get a functional doctor to work with you, lab tests, discuss different lab tests. We identify what's going on in the child. I get a really thorough history. Um, we look at food allergy issues and all of this because I've been involved in it so long. I can really help jumpstart you in the healing process with your child, but we'll cover that when we discuss that next show. Right. And we for sure. will for sure, because there is always an answer. Always an yes. answer. Um, nature, our body, is designed not to leave us out in the cold. And so it's just a question of what we put in our body. And we will also very much put into the immune system uh, of what stress can do to it. Um, so, you know, de-stressing yeah. yourself is something extremely important, which is simplifying your life. Stop buying into what the Joneses have, or I need to have this, or I need to have that. When you simplify your life, you bring the stresses down, your immune system is already picking up. So, so many things to talk about there, and we will do that. Um, the world needs help. At the present moment, it's getting the wrong help. So it needs the right information, and then we need, you know, our health is our choice, and we need to take back that choice. Uh, we have a right to it and we have a right to know how we can make ourselves healthy and say no to the things that are going to be detriment to our body. So Mary, thanks a lot, love. And Thank to everyone, you so much. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to our next discussion. Yes, me too. Thank you. And uh, to everyone else out there, remember, it's please take the time to do the research. She's done it for you just to read it, to open up your minds. Don't be sheeple and buy everything that's been sold to you. Uh, listen, learn for yourself because that's the only way that you're going to be able to heal yourself is working along with the, your beautiful body and uh, in its own healing. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. To find many more shows of inspiration, please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com, podcasts, and you will see an array of shows to choose from. Please do visit our www.discoveringcommunities.org and see what else that we have in store for you. Do enjoy our next show.